This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 140. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. This is Brett Hurst. And we're marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Well, let's go. Let's go, baby. Well, today, despite the cold in my nose, I am going to try to get through this podcast episode. Oh, poor baby. I've been battling for about a week, but it seems something seems to be going around, but we will press on. Well, today's episode is called Spontaneous Versus Responsive. And what I want to say before we start talking about this is that this content is for adult ears only. So if you've got little ones in the room, you might want to press pause and listen to this at another time. Uh, We spend a lot of time, Brett, you and I, teaching about romance and affection and how to keep your sex life moving forward and growing more connected and intimate. We spend a lot of time talking about this with couples, Mm. and we've been talking about this a lot lately with couples, it seems like. So I thought it might be time to have a little podcast episode about this. It is the topic du jour right now. You know, we could spend... Lots of time laying out tools, you know, how to make more time for romance, tools of how to keep romance alive, mm-hmm. all of that. But we've, we've done that before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of us kind of know what those things are. But today we want to focus on something really specific, and that is differing levels of sexual desire in marriage. Wait, you mean we have differing levels? Most of people sexual have desire? differing levels of sexual desire. You're kidding. This is a really common area that we deal with is when two people have, you know, one has what they call a high libido and one has the low libido. Mm-hmm. And so just negotiating and navigating when their sexual relationship will happen, how to keep both people satisfied and with with quantity and quality is a big a big topic. It's one of the most common sexual issues we hear about from other couples. And you know, commonly it's the male in the relationship who has the stronger libido, but not always. And nope. I want to be really really emphasize that because it can very much be flipped where the wife or the woman craves more sex than the husband and they don't kind of follow those gender stereotypes. And so we want to be really careful that when we're saying high desire, low desire, we're not always talking about the man and the woman. No, we've worked with plenty of couples that are reversed. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to give a couple of quotes here by an author named Emily Nagoski, who's a sex educator and author and researcher. And she says, and I really, it has made so much sense to me. She says we need to do away with the term drive when we're talking about sexual desire. We always say sex drive. Mm -hmm. We've said that for decades and decades. Well, I always say it like 
Hey, let's go for a sex drive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Sorry. <laughs> but technically, a drive is a motivational system to deal with life or death issues. Something that's intense. Exactly. Like hunger or thirst mm-hmm. or body temperature. A desire is not a drive. Mm-hmm. You know, without food and water, we die. Without sex, the most we feel is frustrated. But we're not going to die if we don't have sex. Well. <laughs> there are some people who say, that's not true. We will. But it's not true. <laughs> So the important thing here is that when we equate the word desire with drive, Mm -hmm. what we do is we unwittingly create an entitlement around sex. Mm -hmm. Because if sex is like the need for food or water, Mm -hmm. then we can start to excuse some inappropriate sexual demands or behavior. So this is nuanced uh, nomenclature here. Yeah, for sure. But but that has been really eye-opening for me, and I've really tried to change my vocabulary around that. Instead of saying sex drive, I try to use the term sexual desire, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, very different. So what we thought we'd talk about today is we thought we'd talk to, you know, kind of both partners, the person who tends to land on the spectrum of the more low desire. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the person who, you know, maybe they enjoy sex, but it's not something that, you know, wakes them up at night. It's not something that they think about multiple times every day. They might even be able to take it or leave it Yeah, sometimes. Exactly. And so what we wanted to do is just kind of Give some advice that, Brett, you and I have learned personally in our own marriage, uh-huh. but also certainly with talking with other couples. You know, so we're going to start with speaking to the low desire spouse. And again, that is not necessarily the woman. It right. can be the other person. Be too. either spouse. Yeah. So first thing we want to say is, you know, <laughs> your partner is most likely not a sex addict. <laughs> if you're married to someone who has very high desire They are probably not a sex addict, you know, so we need to kind of establish that. Probably not. Think of your partner's strong sexual desire as just that, someone who has a strong desire for sex. Mm -hmm. There are people who have a strong desire for food, Mm -hmm. a strong desire for, you know, all kinds of different things. Absolutely. And so sex is just something that's going to cross that person's mind a lot more often, and they're going to crave it a little more than you are. I remember years ago, Brett, you told me <laughs> you could have sex if the house were burning down to the ground, if, now, if the house were on fire. <laughs> now, did I really say that? <laughs> you actually said that one time. I don't Maybe you were in jest, that. but you did say that. One woman told me that her husband wanted to have sex with her on the day of his mother's funeral, which Sorry. for some people that may sound, oh my gosh, that sounds so gross, but... It also, in a way, for that man who needed maybe comfort in that moment, you know, if that's what brings him comfort is to be connected to his wife, then you can kind of look at that and think that's kind of sweet. I don't know. So I think it's just what's helpful here is to just equate your partner's high sexual desire for things that you have a high desire for, mm-hmm, right. you know, and then realize that it's, it's you know, maybe it's not something that your partner's weird about. Right. It's just that y'all are wired differently. Right. And that's, I think, helpful to do. Just to reiterate this whole conversation about these differences just highlights, again, how different we are as spouses. Yeah. For sure. Second thing we want to say to the low desire spouse is that, you know, when a man has sex with the woman that he loves, Mm -hmm. 
the chemical oxytocin is released in his body. We've talked about that a lot. Yeah, this is the chemical that bonds people together. It's the same chemical that's released when a, a mother is nursing her baby. It's a very powerful bonding Absolutely. component. Now, women naturally have 10 times more oxytocin than men do. Hmm. So... Let's say you are a low-desire wife married to a high-desire husband. It may seem like his desire is just purely a physical thing, uh-huh. but, but it's an, really more of an emotional connection. So I was going to say, there's yeah. an emotional connection there. Yeah, because what you are looking at as just a physical connection is actually producing oxytocin in his body which is bonding him emotionally to you. Right. And so there are long-lasting biological benefits from a healthy sexual relationship. Yeah. And so sometimes that's good for the low-desire person to remember, mm-hmm. is that it's not just that they're craving, you know, because we've heard couples say, well, he just wants sex. He doesn't care if it's me or not. Most of the time, that's not true. No. And I think that's not to get too far out. Out in front here, but I think this is all tied to the spiritual aspect of why sex was created in the first place. Yeah. To, to create oneness. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that's what God, I mean, there's a lot of gifts inherent in sex, pleasure, the possible ability to procreate and mm-hmm. build your family. And, you know, that that's always a possibility mm-hmm. uh, with some couples. But more than anything, sex is designed to create Intimacy of oneness between a husband and wife. It bonds you together. Yeah. Yeah. Something else we've learned to encourage low desire partners is to try to initiate sex with your spouse more often than you may already do. People with strong sexual desires who are married to people with low sexual desires say this is something they really wish for. Yeah. Because the person with high desire feels like they're always the one doing the asking. And, you know, it is. Sometimes it's nice to be wanted. It's also helpful sometimes for a low-desire partner that if they initiate or sort of take charge Mm -hmm. sexually, that can also help them get in the mood. Yeah. Which is, we've heard from couples and experienced that ourselves. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I can vouch for it. (laughs) Something else we say to low-desire partners is, look, It's, you know, maybe time to do a self-check. Be proactive in finding out what the source of your low sexual desire is. Now, it could just be how you're wired. Your personality. Yeah, it could, nothing more, nothing less than that. That's just how you're wired. But you might also ask yourself, are there things that you can do to tap into creating a little higher sexual desire? For example, are you too busy? It's definitely a... um physical intimacy blocker. Yeah. I mean, when you're exhausted, for most people, that's the last thing that they'd rather have a nap, Mm -hmm. you know, than engage in sex. Could you adjust your schedule so that you have a little more rest in your life so that you can have a little more energy? Mm -hmm. Could it be a hormonal issue? Yeah. It could be a lot of different things. Could there actually be something going on in the relationship outside the bedroom Mm -hmm. that is causing you to either not trust or Mm -hmm. not feel emotionally connected? Because that can play a big role as well. Past history in your marriage relationship, past history in previous relationships. Yeah, exactly. All kinds of things. And then we also want to say to the low desire partner, remember that just because your sexual desire 
isn't a felt need, it doesn't mean you don't need physical intimacy. Mm-hmm. Your indicator light may be broken, like like on a car dashboard. You know, uh-huh. sometimes the check engine light doesn't come on, but that doesn't mean something's not wrong with the engine. But you can still enjoy a sexual encounter. So one of the things, and this is kind of leads us to the title of the episode today, is to learn the difference between spontaneous arousal and responsive arousal. And this has been huge for us. So spontaneous arousal and responsive arousal, two yes. different things. Spontaneous arousal is just what it sounds like. It's those who experience desire in anticipation of pleasure. Mm-hmm. Responsive arousal is when your interest only emerges in response to arousal. Right. So you could say spontaneous arousal is kind of pre-arousal or um, proactive, you know. Yeah. Like I joke around and say, you know, Brett can pull up in his truck after work and pull up in the driveway and be like, ding, in the mood. Spontaneous arousal. And, and what's wrong with that? And, but but understanding that your arousal is happening in anticipation right. of the connection. Kind of something you're looking forward to. Yeah. Where the responsive arousal is you become aroused or your desire becomes, kicks in more, when more, you become aroused. Yeah. More, more reactive yes. way of being. Yes. So like a person who is more of a responsive arousal may think, I'm not really in the mood. Mm-hmm. But they may start engaging in sexual pleasure, and all of a sudden, whoa, it's like things start, on. Things start happening. Yeah. Here's an interesting statistic. Roughly 70% of men experience spontaneous arousal, and 10 to 20% of women do. That's an amazing discrepancy. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you can say there are some gender norms here, mm-hmm. but it, it's not. It doesn't, it's not cookie cutter. It's not Every, every couple's different. But that's the research finding. Yeah. Here's a quote from Emily Nagoski, who I was talking about earlier. She says, actually, though spontaneous desire is lots of fun, and most of us grew up learning that it's the only normal kind of desire, it turns out that responsive desire is also normal. Responsive desire is when you don't get that urge, but if you put your body in a sex-positive scenario, which for most people means low stress, and high affection. Mm -hmm. Your body experiences pleasure and then desire emerges from there. Mm -hmm. So that is one of many reasons why date nights and overnights Mm -hmm. and away trips and you don't have to fly to the Caribbean or whatever to to make that happen. But but just getting away creates a different Mm -hmm. scenario that can bring the stress level down yeah, because you're in a different environment and that this can kind of open things up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. The The rest of that quote is, she says, most people experience both styles at different points in their lives, mm-hmm. but spontaneous desire is not a measure of sexual well-being. Pleasure is the measure of sexual well-being. Hmm. So it's what happens once the two of you are getting going. You uh-huh. know, if both of you are satisfied with that, that's the measure of sexual health. Right. It's not whether one person is in the mood all the time and the other person isn't as often. Right. Okay. Here's another really helpful analogy for me that I found from Dr. Christine Hyde about responsive desire. And it's this. Imagine that a good friend invites you to her party And you accept the invitation because she's your good friend. The closer you get to the night of the party, the more you're like, oh, there's going to be traffic. I've got to get a babysitter. 
And even the night of the party, you may be thinking, oh, I've got to put on clothes, wear makeup. Real clothes. Yeah, real clothes. (laughs) Such a hassle. But you go because you said you would, and she's your good friend. And then when you get to the party, you have an incredible time. Who knew? That's responsive desire. And I think that's a fabulous way of putting what sexual responsive desire is mm-hmm. too. Yeah. You don't think it's going to be worth it. And then all of a sudden it and really all of a sudden is it worth is. it. Yeah. yeah. Brett, you and I, how many things are you and I invited to that we are usually grumbling on the way there <laughs> and then afterwards going, oh my gosh, I'm so glad we went. Wasn't that so fun? We got to see so-and-so. Da-da-da-da. Yeah. Not, not that we don't like being with people. We yeah. love it. But just like you said, the hassle of getting ready and driving into town and the other things that we have to do yeah. to make it happen. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. And then finally, what we want to say to the partner with the lower libido is that you usually have most of the sexual power. In the context of the relationship. In the context of the relationship. Because the power of denial is very, very strong. Mm -hmm. And so we always want to ask, how are you using that power? Yeah, and because for the high desire person, they're kind of at the mercy of that power. A little bit, Yeah. yeah. And when you're the per- when you're the high desire person, and you're always asking, and often getting denied. Mm-hmm. That just shifts the power a little bit in that relationship. So we ask the lower the lower desire partner, how are you using that power? Are you being very careful, mm-hmm. very respectful to make sure you're you're there to give and to serve and not deny and reject all the time? Right, and even caring and sensitive about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this is these are just some things we've talked about, things we've learned about through the years. I think, do we want to part two, the yeah. uh, talking to the high desire spouse? We can talk about that next time. All righty. Well, if you would like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. And if you're enjoying Marriage to the Max, help us keep it going by supporting Home Encouragement. Just go to homeencouragement.org and click the donate button. Any amount helps. Also, we would love it if you would rate us and write a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to this. This helps more people to find Marriage to the Max. Well, thank you all so much for listening today. And until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all. 